Amen. Amen. This morning, I want to share with you on the subject of the adventures of a spirit-filled life. You know, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18 commands us, be filled with the Spirit. Don't get drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. It's a command to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So many years ago, in my own personal experience, uh, whenever I was uh, 17 years old, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that literally changed and radicalized the rest of my life. And I uh, made a huge, huge difference, and I'm so thankful for that. I remember um, about three years later, uh, Carrie and I uh, got engaged. And we had been very good friends, and I had been her counselor. And uh, really, I was, I promise. Uh, so I'd been her counselor. And uh, I remember I'd just come back from a stint, a missionary stint in Europe and uh, came back home and the Lord said, it's time to get married. And when I concluded that Carrie was the, God's choice for me, I remember the day, you know, whenever you meet someone, one of the first things they say is, how did y'all meet? How did y'all meet? So I'm going to tell you so y'all don't have to ask me anymore, all right? So when we, when we were together and I was ready to, uh, to pop the question, uh, I wanted to be creative about how I did that. Now, I had already been in full-time ministry for a few years, and so she knew what she was getting into, right? So I decided to uh, come at this a little bit differently, and so we're together on this night, and I don't remember exactly uh, what we did to make it special. I think I, I think I actually prepared the meal for her that particular night. We were sitting, isn't that sweet? And we were sitting <laughs> together, just holding hands, and I said, honey, I, I have a question I need to ask you. And um, so we had only been formally formally dating for 30 days we're talking short y'all agree with that that's a good way to go about it and we were good friends we were best friends but 30 days of dating you know so uh that night i I said to her i said carrie i said i want to invite you to do something with me she looked at me like what i said i would like for you to join me on an adventure She's like, are we going on a trip? What are we doing? You know, she's not sure. What, and I said, would you marry me? And that was the way I proposed to her because I knew what I experienced in God already and what the calling was on my life. I knew that the rest of my life would guaranteed be some kind of an adventure. And I knew if she was going to be my, my bride, she was going to have to join me on the adventure and she said yes i'd love to join you on that adventure and it's been 43 years of adventure with my lovely wife since praise god so i'm convinced that when we truly allow the holy spirit to fill us and control us your life will never be the same again in fact your life will be marked by interesting encounters by explosive opportunities, and by adventures that you might never dream possible. So what I want to do this morning is I want to take a large text of Scripture, one whole, almost one whole chapter, from Acts chapter 16, and I want to speak to you about some adventures. In this particular case, it was in the life of Paul and Silas on their second missionary journey. So I'm going to read... Um, so you're just going to have to kind of listen to me read a little bit unless you have your Bible and you want to follow along. But I'm going to read most of Acts chapter 16, begin in verse 6. 
And this is a narrative, all right? So this is, this is historical, it's a narrative, but it's going to tell you the story of Paul and Silas and their experiences of getting to Philippi and what happened when they were there. So I think what, you, what I want you to tune into is I want you to look at the adventures that are going on here in the life of Paul and Silas. And uh, I think they'll be very uh, appealing to you. Beginning in verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Messiah, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Messiah and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Paul had seen the vision. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Symmachus, and the next day we went on to Neapolis, and from there we traveled to Philippi. Everybody say Philippi a Roman colony, and the leading city in the district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and we began to speak to the women who had gathered there. And one of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia. Everybody say Lydia. She was a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, then you'll come and stay at my house. Well, that's the way to give an invite, isn't it? If you really are a believer, then you're going to come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Once we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit of divination or a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by her fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed. He turned around and he said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas they dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews. Remember, we're in a totally Greek, Gentile area here, right? These men are Jews, and they're throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs that are unlawful for us Romans to accept our practice. 
the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And so when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once, all of the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and he's about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. He knew if he didn't kill himself, somebody else would. But Paul then shouted and said, don't harm yourself. We're all here. We're all here. Everything's good. The jailer called for lights, rushed in. He fell trembling before Paul and Silas and then brought them out and he asked this question. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all of his household were baptized, and the jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Wow. Isn't that a great story? Huh? I think you can pick up, hopefully, on the, the spirit of the narrative by noticing that it's full of adventure, isn't it? I mean, who would ever think you'd, a couple of days would be filled with that much activity, right? That's pretty amazing, isn't it? So what I wanted to do is share that story with you and read that narrative to you and then offer to you three lessons that I'm observing, and you can observe some more possibly, but three lessons that I observe that have to do with living the adventure living this good life of filled with the Holy Spirit and what this can look like. And so these actually suggest some requirements that are involved in doing that. We're using the example of Acts chapter 16. So let's look at those together, all right? You ready for these? Number one, be sensitive to the Spirit of God. If you are going to live the adventures of a Spirit-filled life, you're going to have to learn to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I think it's clear in the beginning of this story that, that Paul and Silas and his team that were with him were listening, sensitive. They were predisposed to following the guidance of the Holy Spirit in their life. They were sensitive to his leading, and we should also. I really believe we ought to begin every day by simply saying, Lord, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? I'll be where you want me to do, be. I'll do what you want me to do. Just show me. I'll say what you want me to say. That's uh, an attitude that I think is commendable 
as we start every day of our life. Obviously, the Apostle Paul and Silas were listening and submitting their life and their plans to God on this second missionary journey. They just kicked off this journey, and the next thing you know, uh, God began to show them his ways, and he did it in a very interesting way. They were sensitive to the Lord, but they had attempted to go, and they had a plan. They had a plan that they had made. How many of you make plans for your week ahead? Or you might have plans for the next month, or you got plans for the next year. Can I just give you some good advice? Always surrender your plans to God. Because guess what? If you'll subject them to Him, you might be shocked. He might change them on you. But if He changes them, something good is getting ready to come, right? So that's exactly what happened here. They already had a plan. Paul's strategy was, I'm taking the gospel to Asia. But the Bible says the Holy Spirit prevented them from going into Asia. We don't know exactly how. We don't know if he put up a roadblock or if he uh, spoke to him or we, we don't know. But the Holy Spirit, Dr. Luke is attributing this to the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, uh, the King James Version says, forbade them to go kept them from going into Asia. That would have been an eastern route. So Paul then thinks, all right, well, it makes sense to me. If it's not Asia, then we're going north. And so then they tried to go into uh, Phrygia, into Galatia. And guess what happened there? Problems again. The Holy Spirit stopped them. And it actually, the, the, the way the Scripture says that the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Now, did they have a good heart? Was their heart to do something good? They weren't going up there to do evil. They were going there to share the word of God, right? They were there to share a life-changing message. But it wasn't God's moment. It wasn't God's timing for them to go. And so the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, another way of referring to the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus said, "Mm -mm, no, don't go. I respect the fact that Paul stopped, don't you? Some of us, we just, when we get those situations, we just plow our way right through it. And it usually ends up not so well. But if we want to really fulfill God's plans, uh, we really need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And, and so being open to the Spirit's guidance and hitting that closed door, however it might be, uh, Paul and Silas were keeping an open ear to what God wanted for them. And so they, land, they ended up traveling down to Troas and, uh, and, and kind of as a matter of, well, I don't know what we're going to do. We tried to go north. I'm sorry, we tried to go east. We tried to get north. Um, we'll go south. That's back home. So uh, we're just going to camp out here at Troas and wait on the Lord. Guess what? That night, God gave him a dream, a night vision. And in that vision, what happened? He saw a man from Europe from Macedonia, in the area where Greece is now. He saw a European man he recognized from Macedonia, and the Macedonian man said what? Come and help us. Come over here and help us. To Macedonia and help us. And I love this responsiveness from Paul in verse 10. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready to go. Don't you just love that? I mean, once he had, once he embraced, that's, it was, let's face it, when God speaks to you in a vision or a dream, that's supernatural, isn't it? Now, we all know that all dreams don't come from God, amen? Might have to do with what you ate last night, but all dreams don't come from God. But God can speak to us through a dream. 
speaks to us through sometimes an actual vision. And this was a case where they, the Holy Spirit had said, no, no, Paul's waiting on God, and the Holy Spirit says, here's what you're to do. Got a revelation through a dream. He was open to a supernatural manifestation, had a heart to follow that, and immediately they made preparations to go to Macedonia. One of the keys to living a spirit-filled, adventurous life is to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We're, many of us, fall into the trap of being so guided by our own logic, our own reasoning, our own plans, or the pressures of the day that we live in that we're, we don't have ears that are tuned in, we don't have hearts that are open to God changing our plans. Because we get locked in on them, don't we? Am I right? And we all need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's voice. Amen? Amen. Sensitive to his leading and his guiding, and you never know where it will take you. Let's look at the second lesson. Number two, the first one is be sensitive to the Spirit of God. The second lesson is be prepared to be used by God. Be prepared to be used by God. I think you would agree with me in this story. It's obvious that Paul and Silas, their whole approach was, Lord, we're here to do your work. We're, we're, we're not on vacation. We are here to do your work. We are willing to do whatever you tell us to do. The very fact that he's willing to change directions demonstrates to us that he was, he was willing, flexible, obedient. I tell people that join us, on, particularly on short-term mission trips, and some of you that have been on them or led them know this, there is a new beatitude that you need to learn. You know, the, the Gospels give us beatitudes, blessed are the people, and so on. There is a new beatitude you have to learn when you're involved with doing missions work, and it's this. Blessed are the flexible. Am I right, Gary? Blessed are the flexible. Because <laughs> if you ain't flexible, you're going to have a miserable time in some other culture. I'll tell you that right now. And here we find Paul and Silas and their team very flexible. They were willing, and yet they were obedient to whatever God wanted them to do. Now, Paul had chosen Silas as his primary ministry partner here on this second missionary journey. And, and I'm just impressed with their obedience, their quick, responsive obedience to this vision God gave them. It's kind of like we've been hitting ro dead uh, roadblocks, and now Holy Spirit's given us a direction. Boom, let's go for it. And, and you know, we, we can learn a lot from that example. And remember, they weren't there just to have fun. They were there to do what? To take the good news of Jesus Christ to those who had never heard it. Amazing story. You know, there's others have, who sh have that same level of obedience to God's call to, to share the good news of Jesus wherever God has sent them. For example, how many of you have heard of David Brainerd before? David Brainerd. Not many of you have heard of him. He is known for being a missionary to the American Indians. That was his primary call. Did an amazing one, thousands of American Indians uh, to Christ. He once said this. He said, David Brainerd said, I cared not where or how I lived or what hardships I went through so that I could but gain souls for Christ. While I was asleep, I dreamt of these things. And when I awoke, it was the first thought I had, the thought of this great work. That call, that obedience had gripped David Brainerd's heart. He caught the vision to take the gospel to the Indians, and his response was this. Uh, he heard them say, come and help us, and his response was, Lord, I'm ready to go. David Livingston, 
the first missionary really to take the gospel into the heart of Africa and to the interior of Africa once said this, I must open up a way to the interior of Africa or I'm just going to perish. When was the last time you felt that compelled by a sense of God's purpose? He said, it was do or die. He heard the call and he obeyed it. J. Hudson Taylor, the great pioneer missionary to China, he once said, I feel as though I cannot live if something is not done for China. He said, I don't even want to continue to live if I can't do something for China. William Booth, the great founder of the Salvation Army movement, is known for saying, oh God, what can I say? What else can I say? Souls, souls, souls. My heart hungers for souls. Willing and obedient hearts. That's what God wants all of us. You know, I'm impressed by the fact that uh, these men who were ready to be used by God and they had prepared themselves for this, they were also prepared to leave their own comfort zone. Thus, the very fact they were on this missionary journey anyway. They were traveling all over the world. Things weren't easy. They weren't comfortable, but they were willing to leave the comfort zones of life in order the conveniences, in order to be obedient to God. They were prepared. They wanted to be used by God. Something, when you're full with the Holy Spirit and you're walking daily with Him, something grabs hold of you that says, I want to be used by God. Look, the Holy Spirit doesn't fill you to make you feel good. That's an after effect, maybe. You say, oh, I feel the Holy Spirit because I know because I have these Holy Ghost goosebumps. Well, if you do, God bless you. But that ain't why he filled with the Holy Spirit. He filled you with the Holy Spirit to take you to a new level of effectiveness for him, to give you the power of God to make a difference. And here we see to do that, you have to be prepared to leave your comfort zone. Something possessed Paul and Silas to be ready to be used by God. They were willing to leave their homes. They were willing to leave the, even the comfort zone of his own personal strategies to change in mid-course, to find God's will and purpose. That's important. There was also a readiness that he had. Ready, ready, ready at any moment, the drop of the hat to share the good news of Jesus. The moment that he arrived in Philippi in Acts 16, as we read him arriving, immediately they were ready to share, looking, all right, where, where, where can we go? Where can we find people who would be open to hearing the gospel? Once again, being led by the Spirit, since did that. And, of course, they chose the place of prayer for some God-fearing Jews that were gathering together by the river. They didn't have another place to worship, so they would just gather by the river have prayer meetings. What a wonderful example here we have of people who have prepared themselves to be used by God. All right, number three. Number one was be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Number two was be prepared to be used by God. Number three is believe that people matter to God. And may I emphasize all kinds of people. Did you know that these three the characters that we read about in this story were the first three converts to Christ in all of Europe. 
the first three converts to Christ in all of Europe. They're, Paul and Silas were the ones responsible to take the gospel of Jesus into the European continent as we know it today. And the first three converts, I think this is absolutely no accident. Look at the three converts. Lydia, a slave girl, and a jailer. None of them mainstream. We have a woman. We have a slave girl. And we have a Gentile jailer. These were all represented people that were not considered by most of the Jews as being on the inside. This speaks to us of the variety, the diversity that God was saying. Isn't it enough? The very first convert, the very first convert in all of Europe was who? A woman, a businesswoman, no less. A wealthy businesswoman, no less. Hallelujah. How many of you know wealthy businesswomen need Jesus? Huh? A slave girl, tormented, possessed by demons. Who? She was the second convert. The first two were women. Women, be encouraged today. Hallelujah. First two converts in Europe, women. Women generally lead the way for us. Hallelujah. And a jailer, this just Gentile father who didn't have much of his life. Well, here's what I want to do. I know I only have eight minutes left, but I'd like to take a quick look at each of these, all right? Each of them is a, probably a message in and of itself, but we're not going to do it that way. We're just going to do a quick snapshot of each, all right? Can you join me as we look at each of them? First of all, let's look at Lydia. Who was Lydia? She was a prosperous businesswoman who sold purple cloth, and only rich people could afford that kind of a cloth. But she, it's very clear when we read the story, she was ready. She had an opportune heart. She had, uh, the scripture says, she heard us. She listened to us. How many of you know when you're sharing Jesus with someone, not everybody's listening? Huh? When you preach the gospel, whether it be in, in whatever format, whether it be in a friendship evangelism, you're talking to your neighbor, you're talking to someone at work, and you're inviting them to church, or you're inviting them to come to some event or whatever, I mean, not, not, they're not always listening. This woman was listening. She had gone to this prayer meeting. She was not a Christian, but she was a God-fearing, worshiping woman. So she was worshiping God with all the knowledge that she had. She was a God-fearing Jewish uh, woman. And, and here we find her worshiping, uh, the, joining together at this prayer meeting. And the Bible says this, the Lord opened her heart. Isn't that precious? You know, it, there's, there's this cooperative thing that goes on when people come to Christ. They totally give their life over to Jesus. There, there's both God's part and then there's our part. God's part, Holy Spirit's working on us. He opens up us to receive. And then our heart is we have to desire it, want it, and choose it. And so here we see an example of a woman whose heart was open and ready to hear the good news. And what she did, my gosh, look at the transformation. In fact, in all three of these cases, I want you just to look at the transforming power of God. In every case, boom, they're just changed. Just like in a, in a, in a second. They're changed. All of a sudden, she was overflowing with thanksgiving and, and generosity and gratitude, and she actually demanded that Paul and his team come to her house. 
And they were resigning. Read the rest of the story. And they actually stayed there. During their time in Philippi, that's where they stayed. was her house. She was a woman of means. She had stuff she wanted to share. And her attitude was, everything I own belongs to God now. Hallelujah. Y'all just come to my house. Enjoy anything that I've got. She overflowed with hospital, hospitality and generosity. Wow. What a wonderful story of a great woman named Lydia. She had a tender heart. Let's look at the second case. The slave girl. She had a tormented heart, didn't she? Yep. We know that the slave girl, the scripture simply tells us that she had a, a fortune-telling occupation. She was a slave. She was a young girl. She was owned by these slave owners trying to make money using her fortune-telling gift. Okay? So she had a spirit of divination or witchcraft. Clearly, the Old Testament tells us that fortune-telling is witchcraft and was forbidden. It's a no-no. Okay? And I know that may come under a lot of different names today, and whether it be horoscopes or it be you know, reading this or, or having someone, uh, you know, some psychic uh, re- tell you something. All of that, let me just tell you something. All of that is of darkness. None of that is of God. In fact, the Bible says it's an abomination to the Lord, and we are commanded to keep distance from that kind of stuff. But here was an innocent slave girl who was, who was operating in this, and apparently she was quite good at it because she, she had people willing to own her charge money for her fortune telling so she ran across paul and silas and when she ran across paul and silas she began to to be inclined towards their message and 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 believe that what they were saying was of god And, and she began to follow around everywhere paul and silas went this girl went finally they she began to make declarations about them she said these are men of god and she began to Proclaim loudly. Well, there was something about the way that she was talking and how what she was saying. Paul apparently went on for a little while. It took Paul a little bit of time, but at some point he began to get uncomfortable. When you're when you're a spirit filled Christian, the Spirit of God leads us a lot of different ways. He began to feel uncomfortable, and I believe what happened is he actually got the spirit, the the, the gift of the spirit of discernment rose up on the inside of him. He discerned even on the words that this girl was speaking over him were right, the spirit behind it was wrong. Do you know sometimes people say the right things but out of the wrong influence? And so Paul immediately one day turned around to her. He recognized that that was a demon spirit, a familiar spirit in her. He took authority over it in Jesus' name and immediately right there on the, in the middle of the streets cast that demon out of that girl and set her free. Wow. This is a wonderful example of someone who mattered to God, a slave girl. She didn't matter to many people except her owners for what they could get out of her. But she mattered to God, and she mattered to Paul and his team. And they cast that demon out of her and set her free. She became a devoted follower of Jesus Christ and was a part of this early church established in Philippi. You know, it's interesting, I was just thinking, uh, preparing this, the contrast between Lydia and the slave girl. Both women, but so different. Lydia was high society. The slave girl led around like a dog. Lydia, very moral, upright, God-fearing. The slave girl, 
exactly the opposite. Lydia, she was a part of the up and coming. The slave girl, she was a down and outer living in the gutters of life. But you know what? Everyone matters to God. So whether it is the, 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 the drug addict, homeless person, whether it's the, the wealthy, uh, white-collar professional, uh, whether it's a woman or a man, regardless of background, ethnicity, society's status symbols, it doesn't matter. Everybody matters to God. God sent Paul and Silas and his team to this place to make sure that these people came to the knowledge of Christ. Powerful. One more person in the story and we'll close. And who is that? That was the jailer. Uh, he's an example of what I would call a toughened heart. This, uh, how many of you have run into someone that needs Christ and you've said, wow, now that's a tough case. <laughs> that bird, boy, I don't know. You know. That person there, I know this guy. They're a tough case. I'm not sure the Lord could crack this one. This one is real tough. But this guy, this jailer, he's one of those tough cases. Hardened through experiences in the jail, running a jail in that day wasn't a fun job. Uh, maybe a good subtitle for this particular part of the deal was Jesus can save the hard cases because that's who he was. So we know what happened. First of all, uh, because of winning that slave girl to Christ, uh, all the, the magistrates were called in, the slave owners contacted the, the, the authorities and said, y'all got to do something about these guys. And they came and they arrested them and they beat them, they flogged them and used... Uh, uh, horrendous methods in order to beat them, uh, causing them to, just to, to feel the, the weight of being beaten and bruised and bleeding. And then they were cast into prison. Not just in prison, but in the deepest, darkest part of prison. Now, listen, folks, just eliminate right now any images in your mind of today's prison. Okay? Now, I'm not saying those are nice places, but this was terrible. Uh, this was nothing like that. This was like a hole in the ground. This was a dungeon. Uh, they were in the inner prison, which had to be the deepest, darkest part. It was damp, cold. History tells us that this kind of prison would be rat-infested. Impossible to lie down or relax without rats nibbling at your feet. This place was filled with lice, no restrooms, no very minimal ventilation at all. It would have been crowded. The sounds of moaning and groaning from others who have been also beaten must have filled the rooms of that prison. And to add to that, they were put in stocks, chains on their feet and their hands, and locked up. Paul and Silas were in tough shape. They, I mean, they had every reason to complain. Every reason to say, man, did we hear from God? Did we really, really hear from God when we had that vision? Wow, this is tough. Bloodied, bruised, and painful, experiencing the painful punishment. Um, we know that something happened. We know that the scripture tells us that about midnight, about midnight, I'm sure still hurting. Instead of complaining and murmuring, instead of questioning God's purpose for their life, they knew that they were engaged in a spiritual adventure. And you know what they started doing? Praying and singing songs. 
praying and singing songs. So much that everybody who all the rest of the prisoners heard it. They're singing songs and praying, and then all of a sudden what happened? God intervened. God did something. Listen, there's this, there, when, we're, when we're living spirit-filled, adventurous lives, there's this partnership with God. There's things we do, and there's things that God has to do. Paul and Silas were doing what they could do, which was to pray and just enter into a rejoicing spirit. And God came, and he sent an earthquake, violent earthquake, and it shook that prison. The doors went open, and, 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 and the chains fell off. And the jailer realized what had happened, and he immediately tried to kill himself because he knew his life was over, and Paul stopped him. He said, don't do that. No, we're all here. Did you ever, ever just thought about the miracle of the fact everybody was still there? That that's a miracle in and of itself that no one escaped. Now, just think about the, the, the criminal mind. I was like, like doors open, we're out of here. But they were all there. And he came, and uh, the jailer came to Paul, and he said these seven most important words. What must I do to be saved? God had actually, I don't know whether he'd been listening to the singing or not. I don't, I don't know if he had heard a message that, that Paul spoke, but he knew his life needed to be changed. Yeah, yeah. And he asked that question, and I'm so thankful for the simple, clear answer that Paul provided for him. He said, just believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved. Now, please remember, that word believe doesn't mean just an intellectual agreement. It means a trust, a heart commitment had to be made. And he made that commitment. And as he made that commitment, his life changed totally. A lot of people stumble over salvation. The truth of the matter is, it's very simple. The hard part has already been done. Jesus has already done the hard part. The result of this intervention by God was this jailer and his entire family. Their lives were changed forever. His whole household was saved, baptized, transformed. It shows us. A woman, businesswoman, slave girl, and this hardened jailer were the first three converts in Europe. Everyone matters to God. And Paul and Zaz realized so I just challenge you as we close this morning ask our prayer teams to come forward. Do you, do you want to experience the adventures of a spirit-filled life? These three things are really important that you do. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Be prepared to be used by God. And believe that people, any person, matters to God. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray a general prayer over you now and you'll be dismissed at the end of that prayer. But I'm going to ask if you have a personal need that you need prayer and agreement for that the Lord hasn't already touched and met, I'm going to invite you to come forward and to come to one of these prayer teams and let them pray for you. Maybe today your life isn't right with God. You need to get things right in your spiritual walk. This is your moment to make that decision. Let me pray for you. 
Father, I pray today that the Word of God would seep deeply into our lives. We'd be challenged to follow uh, that example of Paul and Silas in Acts 16. Lord, uh, we desire uh, to live the Spirit-filled, adventurous life that you called us to. And so, Holy Spirit, today we give you permission to lead us down that path. Lord, I declare over our congregation today that every day of this week will be they'll see the hand of God in their life. I pray that they would have super sensitivity this week to what you're doing and saying and directing. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you.